Hello and welcome to the Mitsubishi Electric Consultant Focus Let's Talk podcast. I'm Rob Conway, a communication consultant who has been working with Mitsubishi Electric here in the UK for the last seven years. The aim of this podcast is to provide product insights from specialists from Mitsubishi Electric UK, focusing on the popular air conditioning system City Multi, and in particular, the latest R32 VRF and R32 Hybrid VRF. But before we do so, let me introduce you to the product experts we have here with me today. Mark Grayston, Mitsubishi Electric Product Strategy and Delivery Manager, and Jobin Varghese, Mitsubishi Electric Product Manager for VRF and Hybrid VRF. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hi. So, Mark, uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself. And as Product Strategy and Delivery Manager, how long have you been working at Mitsubishi Electric and what's involved in your job? Yeah, so I've been at Mitsubishi Electric quite a long time. Um, I started as a graduate back in 2006. Um, and uh, joining on that scheme, I very much focused around the, the product marketing and product management. Um, and through sort of through my career, I've, I found the City Multi product. Um, I found it very interesting. I found the markets interesting, the developments and the movements. Um, and I was lucky enough to have the position of a City Multi product manager for quite a few years. Um, that through that sort of change, we had some various changes in, in the VR systems. We had some real good innovations that came in and, and I had the privilege to, to launch them into the market, which has been which has been fantastic. And I've continued that interest throughout all of my life while I try and sort of give it over now to my colleague uh, Jobin. It's um it's still a, a real real passion of mine. As I've kind of gone through and, and become senior product manager, overlooking more of the air conditioning products and, and now looking after the, the product marketing and product management functions of all our sort of commercial offerings. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Jobin, you've also had an interesting career at Mitsubishi Electric. And uh, could you tell us about how you got into your current role and, and a little bit of background into the day to day? Because if you're responsible for the development, you're again working with your colleagues. I assume you've been over to Japan and yeah. any insight you can uh, give us there on, on, on how the product has been developed and evolves with your support. Uh, so, yeah, um, just a uh, brief history. So uh, I, I also st- I started in uh, uh, 2015 in the graduate scheme. Um, and uh, this was right about the time we were uh, uh, relaunching Hybrid VRF with a bigger range. And uh, uh, it was exciting to get on because I didn't know anything about VRF and let it on uh, about Hybrid VRF. That's where uh, Mark was my mentor there and trying to show me what Hyper VRF is meant to be and what it's go- going to be, etc. and these other drivers. So uh, it was a great uh, experience to start from the foundation of Hyper VRF to see how, how it's grown and how, how it's uh, uh, evolved. Uh, so it was a uh, it was a good experience. Around about after three years, uh, you know, uh, the company gave me the opportunity uh, to go to Japan and you know work with our design team in the next evolution of hybrid VRF because being and seeing what hybrid can do or the challenges that our uh, consultants and installers face, it was good to go to the factory and uh, work on the next uh, next stage of uh, hybrid VRF. And, and I suppose to add to that, from what I've seen of Jobin, he's, he's brought that knowledge, understanding and passion back. And, and I, I sort of say to the product managers in our team, you know, what I want from you is to love your product, and, and Jobin really loves his products. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's holding that baton. He's, he's really wants the best for the product, wants the the most success in the market. He wants to support the customers and and the sort of the applications that the product uses. As a major manufacturer, uh, Mark, you obviously see and work closely with um, your colleagues overseas, especially in the factories in Japan. What is the overriding sort of driving ambition of Mitsubishi Electric? That's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, so it's in the name, I think, Mitsubishi Electric. Um, and it's in, I think it was the, the founding uh, person for Mitsubishi Electric. Jobin probably knows his name, but it was all around um, creating electrical products for the good of society. That core principle can stays with us and continues to run through, especially now at the point in time we're at where we're talking about ha- having to decarbonize our built environment. And the only way you can do that is by using electrically driven products. So we're in a great position. Our audience today, guys, is the consultant designer specifiers. Mm -hmm. So uh, you work, obviously, as product marketers. So in your communication and your consultation, how often do you actually speak to consultants through your sales force to get that feedback? And how does that influence your communication back to your colleagues in Japan? So we have a constant communication with our consultant team, um, and uh, 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 
they give us the day-to-day, uh, you know, the, the monthly update about uh, what's been uh, going on in the market and give an honest feedback with regards to where the products should start moving towards. So I'm very open to uh, um, our consultant and sales team and our customers. Uh, you know, I, I've been uh, anytime and uh, we need to do a product demo, we are happy to bring them in, show the product, talk about the product. Uh, and go to you know go go, go to different roadshows and campaigns that uh, pushes uh, the pr- pushes the product more. So uh, um, yeah, we, we uh, it's good to have it's good to even form that connection because uh, once you form that connection, you'll be able to still get honest feedback about the product and then feed that uh, back to the factory in the next generation that's uh, going to come. Just in terms of how you two guys work together uh, and, and work with your colleagues globally. Uh, could you give a background on how that sort of how can you make sure that you're listening to every every demand that comes through? Yeah, sure. As, as Joe, Joe sort of point got onto the point of you know what we're trying to do is be the the voice of the customer for the UK market in in relation to our engineers and our factories. Um, and as you said, the the relationship for us with with those factories, but also with our colleagues around Europe. Um, around the rest of the world and using those relationships to kind of ensure that we're having quite a common message in terms of what's needed in terms of product development back to the factories is really useful for them. Um, and again, I, I kind of say to the guys, and, and this is from, I suppose, personal experience, build on those relationships, spend lots of time with the factory members. If they're, if they're coming over, go out for dinner with them and, and, and enjoy that sort of building of relationship because ultimately they then listen to us more and understand us more. Um, and it's also an opportune opportunity for then when we bring when they come over to the UK, let's say, to come and then see customers as well. And they're very happy to come and talk to customers as well. So we've often in the past when we've launched products, originally hybrid VRF, for example, members and engineers from the factory come over and, and done sort of working groups with with consultants and with installers. Um, so those, those sort of relationships that we have um, across um, with the factory, um, with the, the, the fellow colleagues within Europe and the rest of the world, um, enables us to, to have a really good network of, of product development. Mark, I've known you for a long time now. In fact, I think we first worked together on the launch of Hybrid VRF back in 2013. By all accounts, uh, I believe it's been super successful for you in the HVAC market and created a real change. City Multi is a, it's a really important product for us. Um, it's it's a, a large um, portion of, of what we place into the market. Our customers really love it and, and they really love it for... There's sort of three core reasons. It's it's very simple, it's very flexible, and, and over time, as people have used it, it's very familiar in terms of an offering. Um, so we, we're really um, proud of the product and proud of the offering, um, and we see it as a, as a real strong um, type of system and type of product and solution to get over many, many different needs of different customers in different buildings. So over to you, Jobin. As product manager of a leading manufacturer of HVAC equipment, what are you and your colleagues doing both here in the UK and in Japan to support consultants and specifiers who really require information on your equipment and its embodied carbon levels? I imagine there is a lot of demand coming right now, especially from property owners, for this kind of information. Yeah, so before we talk about embodied carbon, um, it's, it's, it's all derived from the conversation that everyone is having around net zero. Uh, so... A uh, lot of the lot of the market sectors and companies are now talking about net zero, uh, which is pretty much you know the ba- balancing the amount of cre- greenhouse gases that we emit into the world, into into the atmosphere, and also then uh, capturing it back. So uh, that's pretty much what net zero is. Uh, what we have is uh, even by offsetting the carbon that we are uh, capturing, uh, bodies like Reba Arab. Um, they, you know, UK's Green Build Building Council, they've all said like just by offsetting, uh, it's not going to make it. You need to start talking about embodied carbon, um, and embodied carbon is pretty much it's uh, all the material uh, that you put into a building. So when you're putting like systems in, where what, what is that system made of? Uh, the material, the carbon related in terms of uh, where's it mined from? The carbon related in terms of manufacturing transporting it and then also at the end of the end of the life how much material can you recycle so that's that's where the conversation regarding uh, embodied carbon has come up and and uh, as a, a question that, that we get from our consultants have you got an embodied carbon for your uh, products we've been able to 
a couple of uh, uh, really good moves on that end and uh, work with the factory and actually uh, get data in terms of the material, in terms of the manufacturing, the carbon related with material or manufacturing, etc. And uh, uh, we've been able to get some, uh, collate some data in terms of embodied carbon. So that's great, Jobin. This, this information is now freely available, but where can a consultant find it? You can find this information on our library. So Where's that? library.mitsubishielectric.co.uk Thanks, Mark. It's no wonder you're product strategy and delivery manager. <laughs> it's a good resource. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brilliant. Thanks. Next question for Mark. Um, Mark, you, in the introduction, you, you um, explained that the City Multi-Range has been one of your most successful air conditioning systems. Uh, can you give us some background on to you know, the development of it, its history, and uh, where it's currently going? Yeah, so City Multi as a, as a product was born over 30 years ago. Um, we introduced it um, not quite that long ago, but it was you know, 15 or 20 odd years ago into the UK market um, in quite a sort of limited offering uh, initially. But it was coming into a market where the, it was dominated by two traditional technologies um, and it, it brought a lot of, of um, benefits, like I mentioned earlier, around being very simple and flexible that uh, in particular consultants found really, really useful to work with and really, really, really useful in terms of different application types um, and different challenges for customers. Um, so it's it's kind of grown in terms of a product offering and product portfolio, um, but those same sort of core principles are still at its heart, which, which have made it really successful. And where are you now, Jobin, uh, with the current City Multi lineup? So we have two different types. We've got a heat pump range, which is basically... Uh, can do cooling or uh, heating at once uh, and then you got uh, the heat recovery model which can do simultaneous heating and cooling on demand so the heat pump range uh, is you can get it up to 135 kilowatts and your uh, heat recovery range you can get up to 110 kilowatts so staying with you Jamin, um Marcus explained the background the history to it but is it still a, a very popular product in the UK yeah it is it is still a popular product because it's still um, it, not only us, but our competitors still follow all the uh, same principles, i.e. keeping it simple, keeping it flexible, and make it, keeping it cost-effective. So the VRF, uh, VRF range is still seen as a uh, main contender in the market. So um, uh, it's able to uh, still able to uh, focus on these three key elements that Mark just explained. It's been hugely popular. Well done, guys. You know, it's, it's obviously a great product for the market. Um, and you know, consultants, property owners, contractors are bought into it. But it, and I've seen you describe it as a complete package solution. But what does that actually mean? So with a complete package uh, solution, uh, so unlike a chiller system, you would have to get your uh, uh, indoor units, controls, your pumps, um, all from different suppliers. And that pretty much ex- extends your uh, design time, and it's just more pain. Wouldn't it be simple if you could just get all your um, components from one manufacturer and that's where um, it's especially electric or with our VRF range you get the indoor units you get the controls you get the uh, uh, the design limitation and even the support from our sales team uh, uh, so that makes it a complete plug, plug and play uh, package yeah I think that support element Jobin is really important as well yeah. and that's kind of why you know another reason why it's been successful is like Jobin said, if you're trying to get various components from everywhere else, you're trying to do the design yourself. It's, it, 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 you know, mechanical engineers are really clever people, um, but it takes time. Uh, it takes resource. It takes specific knowledge. Um, you can't necessarily go to a chiller manufacturer and get that service, get the, the design of all the system, the limitations, what you can do, what you can't do, different options quite easily and flexible. Let's say the client wants to change that space into something else, they can quite easily swap it around and see what effect that has on the system mm. or a different design condition. Um, so, yeah, the, the kind of the, the support that goes alongside that enables it to become a packaged. So, Mark, the support that is available for uh, consultants when designing the solutions, can you give me a bit more background as to what to, Mitsubishi Electric UK can provide? Yeah, sure. So I suppose it's it, there's a various elements to it. Um, one is around the sort of the people and the relationship part of it, and, and what we can do with the the various skill sets and teams that we have within the business. So, from uh, an account manager that's that's dedicated to looking after consultants and, and their needs and being helping to sort of guide them through designs and, and work with them on projects, 
Um, you've got specific pre-sales technical engineers that have more technical knowledge and that can help with um, with quotations and variations um, and also a better understanding of, of limitations around products. Um, and then you've also got things like uh, the tools that support it as well. So there's a there's a really um, simple uh, tool that, that is used that is, is basically a, a big, thick data book into a simple tool um, that enables you just to, to change things around. So I want that and that. I want to change the condition. Oh, no, actually, I want to change it with that. I want to add that limitation on. It's all inbuilt. So it, it makes it easy to use. So, yeah, then that entire data book is then pretty much condensed into, like, the schematics, uh, into an entire quote, uh, simple to read, simple to see the entire course, how the uh, system looks. So uh, it's a, you know, we call it the new design tool. So uh, just for our consultants, just to know. So where, where, would it, where would the consultants find that? Our pre-sales team have it. You, you should just ask your account manager. Brilliant. Well, let's dive into some detail on the product. So, um, Jamie, I'll stay with you. Um, City Multi, hybrid VRF, the hybrid version, is a heat recovery product. Um, can you explain uh, how this works and what the benefits are? So hybrid VRF uh, has the same design layout as a traditional VRF heat recovery system. So uh, you would have your outdoor unit. In the center, you would have your hybrid branch controller box. And between your hybrid branch controller and your indoor unit, you would have water pipes, just two water pipes, rather than having refrigerant. Uh, so the heat recovery element is done between the two plated exchangers that is inside that box, so during simultaneous heating and cooling, one plate becomes your hot plate where the hot gas goes in and the second plate becomes your uh, uh, cooling where you get uh, subcool liquid going uh, to the second plate to provide your cooling. So in that way, uh, you get simultaneous heating and cooling. Any other advantages, do you think, in terms of the heat recovery side of it? Yeah, so I suppose in listening to Jobin there, the why why heat recovery is a sort of a question people might have and when you look at the VRF market in its in its entirety in the UK, around 75% of what goes in is a heat recovery type. And this is um, quite different to most other places in the world, actually. And it's mainly around the fact that we have this temperate climate whereby you could have a, a day where it's f- uh, 5 or 10 degrees outside. And you might have some rooms that are packed, like we're sat in now, a small room that's packed full of people that might require a bit of cooling. And then you have another room over there or, or down in the office space where there's less people, it's a bit colder, it's going to be quite heating. So the, the the benefit of being able to do those two things at the same time has an, an additional benefit on top of that. And that's the fact that the, the heat you're taking out of the room that we're sat in, in cooling, can be then transferred across to a different room in heating. And therefore you're, you're lowering the load on the, on the unit outside. Um, and that all adds up to energy saving, carbon saving. You could typically on a heat recovery system uh, save around 30% of the energy compared to a traditional system that you'd only get heating or cooling out of. And as well, importantly, you're not chucking wasted, wasting heat outside. Thanks, Mark. Um, it's good to hear about such energy savings. But let's also talk about FGAS regulations. They've been around for some time, and the phase-down that's been started in 2015 is well underway. It's obvious everyone's aiming to achieve that 2030 target, which is great news. But could you explain where we are on the phase-down, and why should consultants take it really seriously? And what it actually means to a consultant right now. The core principle of F-gas regulation was to face down fluorinated gases. So uh, you got the hydrofluorocarbon, which is your HFCs. And then you got uh, sulfur, hexafluoride, etc. I'm I'm forgetting the third one. But basically the HFC, the hydrofluorocarbon, is the majority F-gas that is being uh, released into the environment and this F, uh, HFC, which is like, uh, which is pretty much uh, refrigerants that is used in your air conditioning units, in your aerosols, uh, fire extinguisher, etc. Um, so uh, when you do a service or maintenance, you might leak some gas, and releasing that gas into the atmosphere is could be up to say twenty three thousand times worse just releasing one kg of CO two. So the EU itself decided, okay, uh, we need to face this uh, face this gas down. And we need to bring in, we need to force manufacturers and refrigerant suppliers uh, to adopt uh, a low GWP refrigerants, i.e. R32, CO2. Uh, You know, buildings itself uh, account for 40% of the carbon emission. F-gas emissions account for 3 to 4%. So it's still a big, uh, big chunk. Uh, So the baseline was started in 2015 on a quota that was based uh, on the previous years, combining the total uh, supply that was there in the market. They use that as the baseline. 
So they started off at 2015. Okay, this is the baseline. We're going to start at 100%. And right now we are at 45%. Uh, in 2024, we will have the next uh, drop. That will be down to 31%. So as we move towards uh, 2030, uh, you are going to see the prices of high GWP refrigerants go up or the availability will be less likely to get to get it. So uh, like it or not, manufacturers need to adopt uh, to to make sure that they could still uh, provide uh, the same service that they're providing right now and uh, that we also have low GWP systems to offer uh, when the time comes. I think to sort of uh, steal a phrase from a colleague, um, that in the spirit of FGAS, um, somebody in, a, in our business uses, and and the, the FGAS itself is, is having an influence, but it's also, it's essentially trying to target towards, you know, doing the right thing, doing the right thing for your clients in terms of minimising the environmental impact of, of the types of systems that you're putting in. So it, it's doing a good job in terms of a phase down. Um, and, you know, as, as Europe, we are on track for those sort of targets um, so it is working but actually it's it's in consultation again now and, and the target of reduction is, is going quite a bit beyond this so we might see more and more things happening where where it's actually gone well by 2024 2025 this is actually becoming more and more of a, a an issue and we're going to have to look at different solutions again so it's it is a, it's an ever-evolving piece but it's like i said in the spirit of fgas it's the right thing to do really good background on the fgas uh, and the phase down but um, right now, obviously, you've launched the R32 VRF and the R32 Hybrid VRF. Why should a consultant um, be really, really focused on these versions of your product range? And, and, and you know, what should they be sort of communicating to the owners? So if you want to future-proof your building, R32 Hybrid or R32 VRF is the right step. Uh, it is a low GW refrigerant and... Uh, uh, it is seen as the go-to refrigerant right now in the air conditioning market. I think to add to that as well, Joe, when, when we're talking hybrid specifically, we're, we're reducing the volume of refrigerant again. So a really important factor there when future-proofing in terms of the amount of refrigerant in your systems, the availability, the cost of that refrigerant, the impact that it has on the environment, all of these things are, are meeting the needs of the clients that, that consultants work with. City Multi R410A VRF is still available, isn't it? And and why should consultants not be choosing that rather than shifting towards the R32 version? Well, it all goes back to the same conversation that we had again about the the the, the uh, advantages that you get with embodied carbon, uh, uh, the advantages you get with the FGAS face down. Uh, so uh, it's a no brainer to just use R32 hybrid VRF. Um, uh, with, with, when we launched R32 Hyper VRF, there was a, a good transition from the R14A HVRF version. And I think currently we are sitting around, say, uh, 60% plus, I would say, now Hyper VRF goes with R32 because consultant have started seeing the points. Okay, I can future-proof my building in five years' time. Another low GW refrigerant comes in. It's easier to change because I only just have to change my outdoor unit or the HBC. I don't have to look if it is compatible with the pipe or the indoor units that's already been installed. Uh, this, again, helps you increase the rental value of your property, Tough government regulations and stringent environmental targets implemented in the UK to reduce emissions, but there's also increasing levels of building safety standards that property owners and developers have to adhere to, such as BS EN 378. So thinking of our consultant listeners here today, uh, why should, in your opinion, should they be especially aware of BS EN 378? The uh, EN 378 relevance in our uh, sector is quite important. Um, so with EN three seven eight, it looks at different uh, di- di- different uh, different sections when it comes to installing a uh, vapor compression system into that building, and uh, one component is that okay when you start applying safety measures uh, into this layout, uh, would you, you would need to have uh, say, uh, leak detectors or uh, ventilations or safety shutoff valve. So let's take leak te- leak detector as an example. Uh, one thing that EN three seven eight asked to comply is that. You place the detector at lower levels where refrigerants can stagnate. Um, unlike a, for a split system, you might only have like one indoor unit and one one outdoor unit. There's less brazing points. Yeah, with VRF you have multiple brazing points. Yeah, so you got uh, you can connect 50 indoor units onto one outdoor unit. Wow, good feature. Uh, but you're creating more leakage points. 
and uh, uh, you would want to place that detector where refrigerant could stagnate from one of these leakage points. You would not want to place that detector somewhere inside the roof or inside an indoor unit 1.8 meters away from the ground. So uh, in that way, uh, in that way, we are able to provide a, an R32 VRF system uh, that is EN378 compliant because we can provide detectors that you could place at lower levels. Uh, we can provide safety shutoff valve, which you could uh, uh, install in the uh, outdoor unit's pipes, and it has a limitation on the amount of uh, on the space that it can be uh, uh, installed in. So we, we 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 are able to abide with the current uh, standard and. Uh, a current standard, and that's where our R32VR stands at the minute. So it's the right thing to do. Refrigerant is heavier than air. If it were to leak, the way, way it's going is downwards. So you need to put a detector where that refrigerant is going to stagnate. And, and whatever standard or, or legislation or whatever it might be, you look at that's what it says put something to detect something where refrigerant stagnates you don't put a smoke alarm on the floor mm-hmm. because smoke goes upwards you put it on the ceiling <laughs> so it's 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 saying in the standards it's the right thing to do we're looking to provide the solutions to to enable people to mitigate their risk um at the most um opportunity really just to add on to that also is uh, uh i just wanted to cover is uh another thing that uh the en378 uh, uh, asked to comply is you have to have an independent power supply for that safety measure and uh this is where uh, you don't want that uh, power to go through uh the refrigerant containing sy- refrigerant system to reach your uh, detectors or your alarms and uh, it's another factor where you have to have an independent power supply for your safety measures so uh, uh, all of these factors need to be considered if you want to have a layout that is EN378 compliant and that's where we can uh, we can provide a solution right now. Yeah let's not forget you, you know if you want to mitigate risk completely take the refrigerant out of that space and that's that's hybrid VRF. So Mark in relation to the City Multi hybrid VRF and uh, VRF R32 versions. And how does that specifically relate to EN378? It's related to application installation of, of products that contain refrigerants. So, you know, VRF, HVRF use refrigerant. Uh, um, it's a it's a very effective um, fluid to do, to do the job of, of transferring heat from one space to another and, and upgrading that heat. Um, so in terms of, of VRF, you're, you're quite often looking at um, systems that are going into multiple spaces. Sometimes they're, they're being small spaces. So we, we, as an industry, saw this a lot being used um, with hotel applications with VRF initially. When you were looking at, you've got a quite a small space and you've got a VRF system that serves multiple spaces, there's an amount of refrigerant that could leak into that, that room under uh, you know catastrophic conditions. We've got to make sure it's safe. So EN378 was a really good tool there for giving us guidelines on that refrigerant that used. You can have that maximum amount. And if you go beyond that, you need to put some safety measures in place. And that, that applies for any refrigerant that you use. There'll be varying limitations based on, on what the refrigerant is. Um, but essentially, again, you're using R32. It has its own limitations. You're putting it into a space. You need to check that that's safe. And, and that's what's really, really, really helpful for. The hybrid uh, uses um, water in, in occupied spaces. So in relation to EN378, that obviously has some uh, safety advantages as well because you're not sticking refrigerant into those occupied spaces. Um, are there any other advantages of that? So uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there, which is you're not putting refrigerant or R32 refrigerant uh, into these spaces. So you can get away with leak section. It goes back to the same principle, as we mentioned uh, earlier, that uh, City Multi or VRF was all about simple plug and play. And if you want to reduce your design time, you don't want to be measuring uh, every room size and going, this room requires leak section, that room requires ventilation, etc. cetera. Uh, and that's where hybrid makes it simple. You have the R32 refrigerant between the outdoor unit and the HVC. Uh, you have to check uh, if there's any measure required. Most of the time, uh, uh, it's much more simpler between that region. And then on the, uh, on the, indoor, uh, on the indoor unit sides where the space starts getting smaller, you don't really need to. Uh, th- you don't need to look if you need any detection or ventilation or shutoff valves because it's just water. And again, when you're kind of thinking, I suppose from a you know why wouldn't you aspect, if if you're if you've got the option between installing a system where you might have to put some safety measures in, even if you put those safety measures in, you're still thinking I'm doing that to overcome a risk. If you can just take that risk completely away, then that that surely is a no brainer. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I suppose on that is with a hybrid is you've got a lot less connection points in terms of potential leakage points. So with a VRF, you've got um, 
refrigerant pipes between the outdoor and a BC and then BC to indoor units. And there's potential leakage points there. With hybrid, you've only got refrigerant pipes between the outdoor and the HBC. So the potential for leakage is less. So that that's good for uh, a safety and risk assessment point of view. That's good for an FCAS point of view where the actual, you know, if it were to leak, it's, it's less likely to leak. Um, and it's less refrigerant as well. So there, there's some real values that kind of come across all of these different elements in terms of when we're looking at hybrid uh, R32. Jobin, in the UK, the hospitality sector has changed significantly. We've seen new hotel brands come into the market and hotels developing throughout the regions of the UK, not just in the big cities. But why do you think the Premier and Economy Hotel market are so in love with hybrid VRF? What is it about the product and the proposition that appeals to the hotel owner so much? So yeah, with the hybrid VRF, apart from the lead detection element, you also get um, a a better comfort because uh, it's a water-based fan core unit. Um, there's there's that there's that benefit. You also get uh, you also get in terms of leak checks uh, that we just mentioned with FKS regulation. If it's uh, if it's higher than a five ton CO two equivalent, you have to check once a year. But with an R four ten A system, you have to check it twice. So uh, this is an additional pain for the contractors to come in you know twice in a year rather than that they can do it once in a year with their annual check. So that's also another uh, benefit with uh, using hybrid VRF. I suppose as well, just to add to that, Jobin, like for, for a hotel, when sort of uh, consultants in the past have tried to look at hotels, they will try and design systems so they don't need to use leak detection. So it, it's getting rid of that element for the customer. Um, I don't know any sort of um, hotel that I've ever come across where they've gone, I must have this and I'm happy to to have the added risk in there. Um, I want to remove that. So it, it's giving them that, that same benefits of a heat recovery VRF that they're, they're used to in terms of Everyone in each room can have what they want in terms of comfort of, of temperature. Um, and we're saving energy because we're transferring it from bedroom one to bedroom two. Um, and as well, we're removing the risk. So for a hotel, it's, it's a really, really valuable proposition. I assume also the maintenance, annual maintenance cost is reduced as well. So you you've re- haven't had to put the leak detection in in the first place. Yeah. So it's a reduced install cost and an ongoing reduced maintenance costs. And where costs are top of property owners do agendas right now it's um, a very simple proposition how can the Mitsubishi Electric City multi-range help building owners to achieve a higher BREAM rating and why is it increasingly important to do so so BREAM is a assessment method uh, that evaluates the uh, environment performance of a building uh, usually used in new build uh, uh, constructions um, it uh, it evaluates a building uh, across a range of category that looks at the procurement, operation, uh, maintenance, uh, and design of that building. Uh, so you got different categories uh, can range from energy, comfort, uh, pollution, material, etc. Uh, and when you add up all the credits in this in these categories, uh, depending on what you're putting into that building, uh, you will get a score from. Uh, pass to outstanding. So VRF, uh, being an air source heat pump, can influence in regions of uh, the energy uh, section of that uh, of that assessment, uh, the comfort element of that assessment, um, but more, uh, it has more influence on the pollution uh, se- uh, section of that assessment. What I'm talking about is the impact of uh, impact of refrigerant pole one calculation. Um, so it's in this section where the VRF has a direct impact uh, because it talks about uh, the type of refrigerant that you're having in that system and the amount of refrigerant that you're having in that system. So if you have a lower GWP refrigerant like R32 and less of it, uh, like hyper VRF system, just by having that system and doing the calcs, you will be able to get two credits. Every point matters. So, uh, uh, you know, getting that additional credits would move you from good to outstanding. That's where uh, our air source heat pump, uh, VRF has a direct impact. So, Mark, I'm hearing ESG CSR is really high on building owners' agendas, especially as they're trying to increase and maintain their property values. So requiring a high BREAM rating is a bit of a no-brainer for a property owner to want. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, whether they're, they're the, the sort of the only the operator, um, the sort of um, any part of that sort of customer supply chain that, that uh, you know, a big portion of customers have a net zero target. And ultimately, you know, that's formulating their CSR and their ESR 
ESG goals. Assessment methods like BRIAM are, are really good in terms of guidance on how you can get towards getting the, the, the most efficient sort of an effective and sustainable building space. Um, and there's other um, types of assessment out there now as well where, where systems like R32 VRF or hybrid VRF would be really beneficial. There's a, a new one called Neighbours, and it's not it's not the television programme from Australia, but it does come from Australia. Did they retire that just now? I think just they might have done, yeah, yeah. They've retired it and replaced it with a building assessment method. <laughs> <laughs> Neighbours. But it, the, the good thing about this one in particular is it's looking at assessing buildings, but also reassessing them during their lifetime. Um, and again, that's where we, we've seen success in, in VRF and I think the continued growth of it because people specify it, use it, and then actually realise, yeah, this is really proving proving what it says it's going to do. And it's more than just sustainability, environmental and social governance reporting and measurement. The understanding is that the UK building stock contributes to 40% of all carbon emissions here in the UK. What's that down to? Why do you think that's specific to the UK? I think it's a, it's, a, it's a worldwide issue, but I mean, f- for the UK, I think from sort of understanding uh, how other countries are developing on this point, we're very much spearheading the journey on our road to net zero. We live in buildings, we work in buildings, we play and we have fun in buildings. So, you know, they're all spaces that we, we as humans use day in, day out. So the, the impact of using those spaces is big you know you need to keep them warm you need to keep them lit mark is it a specific issue with the uk with the 40 percent emissions it is yeah i mean we're, we're a a country that has a lot of old buildings um and our building stock is is such that um we we need to reduce the energy in those buildings um and what we're finding as well is you know, you have old buildings that perhaps have uh, low ceilings, they don't have ceiling voids, they have challenges around location of equipment, that we need to find the right solutions for those different buildings. Um, and that could be from, you know, where we're looking now at decarbonising um, heat, removing fossil fuel gas boilers and, and finding a solution for that. So we're very much developing products around um, using um, heat pump technology pr- to provide hot water for the space um, and hot water for the sanitary hot water as well. Um, we're looking around um, solutions for IT cooling. Again, not occupied buildings, but buildings that um, are using equipment that generate heat, that heat needs to be taken away. We need to provide really efficient solutions to be able to do that, really effective solutions. So we're looking at all different building types and we're looking at um, developing products to, to meet the needs. And as you say, especially with those, those older buildings, and when we think, and again, linking this back to net zero, that there's a statistic that 80% of the buildings that are uh, are in play now will be in, in play by 2050. So we've got a, a challenge around ensuring that we have all the right solutions to, to meet the needs of decarbonising all of those building types. So, Jeremy, I'm hearing uh, from the UK market that property owners are looking to reconfigure their, mm. their buildings. Uh, they're looking to remodel, especially as the UK market is evolving and changing so quickly as we've come back from the pandemic. Everyone's looking to what's the best layout uh, for their particular property. Mm. Please, can you explain why hybrid VRF R32 is really the ideal solution for Cat A to Cat B projects? So... The refrigerant part is only between the outdoor unit and the HPC. And majority of the layout is just water. Uh, so when you're moving from Cat A to Cat B, all you're doing is isolating those water pipes, doing the required changes, and moving your indoor units, uh, refilling the system with water, going through that commissioning procedure, and that's your Cat A to Cat B done. You're not whacking or recharging the refrigerant side of that uh, uh, box. And uh, in that way, you're not even introducing any further leaks back into the environment. So this this goes back to the F-gas phase down and how you're containing leaks and et cetera. So, uh, so from a Cat A to Cat B point of, point of view, uh, point of view uh, hybrid R32 is, you know, it's easier to do with a Cat A to Cat B for Dell. Yeah, and the sort of the modularity of the, the types of systems, again, a sort of a core benefit of, of VRF and hybrid VRF is the fact that you've not just got one big system that you're trying to rely on um, achieving all of the needs of, that that building might have over its life. If you have a modular system, you can add to it, you can take away from it, you can reconfigure, you can change those spaces. Um, and, and that value, again, has, has kind of been been seen through history. Um, and I think, again, tying in some of the sort of points we were making earlier um, around the fact that actually probably more and more buildings are going to be reassessed 
to reuse that existing building and upgrade it rather than build a new one. So having the ability of putting a system now that you know has a real good life on it and flexibility, whatever that application is, is, is a real benefit. And we've, we've seen that as well post-pandemic where um, like some of the, the big retail outlets, haven't they? They've changed mm. into office spaces or, or different mm. types of um, uh, accommodation and things like that. So you can still use the, the system and it could still give you what you need. Um, and the other point that I was, I was thinking when you were talking there, Jobin, was about the fact that if you've got water in that space, you don't need the safety measures. If you were mm. to have refrigerant in that space, you'd have to put the safety measures in that space for the design at that time. If the design was then to change, you got to do the recalcs again, and that then increases your design time, and uh, uh, yeah, more it causes more uh, more pain for the end user also. So you just go back to that plug and play element. Where are you in the product development? You know, got you know, you've, any exciting things you've brought out just recently, and 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 what was the story behind that? About a year ago, we added uh, uh, the vertical HBC uh, to our range. Uh, so traditionally, uh, when we started off, we had to copy the design just as we did with VRF. Or they got a BC box horizontal, we have to place it horizontal. But once we did it that way, we found out how big the box became because you had to add in elements like pumps and plates uh, to follow the same design layout as VRF. And one feedback we got from our uh, existing uh, consultants and our contractors with uh, how they started to love the product, but at the same time, they started give, giving this feedback box is quite big we, in terms of commissioning I need to access here and here and it's all tucked away in this dark ceiling um, and this is where we decided okay let's focus on a floor standing unit so and that's where the vertical HBC uh, came in so unlike the horizontal you got your pumps and plates now all on all at floor level so when it comes to commissioning or checking your pressure gauges or you want to isolate some indoor units it's all accessible from the floor and uh, um, it takes all the pain points. Its footprint is reduced between by eight hundred by five hundred. Uh, it's it can neatly be tucked away, tucked into a cupboard. Uh, and again, ideal for cat aid. A cat aid can be yeah, fit out because space, yeah. oh, I was uh, recently had a project where uh, uh, they decided to have the vertical HPC box and they wanted to use it for a cat aid to can be fit out. Yeah. So you'd have a, the vertical HPC box and you'd have a full pipe connection to a sub. The sub doesn't have any pumps or plates. You can put it in the middle of the pl- uh, middle of the office. Uh, you don't have to have any issue with regards to refrigerant noise. So what they did was they added all the indoor units onto the sub, but left the ports on the vertical HVC because they knew if they're going to have a catheter can be fit out, it's easier to access these the pipes from the floor and then also do the commissioning from the box itself rather than disturbing the ones that's already ceiling. So that was a that was a good example there where uh, uh, vertical HVC was being applied. Uh, in in the right uh, benefits, you know. So and I think if you if you look at the the general hybrid VRF product development direction, um, ultimately what we're trying to achieve is being able to offer uh, the market um, and the different applications a, a VRF type system, but with a lot less um, environmental impact, essentially. So we're we're trying to fill the gaps of of applications of challenges to overcome. That the the technology type has, has changed, the refrigerants being used has to change, um, but with that, you know, vertical HPC was born out of the fact that there was a gap there that we needed to fill, and we're going to keep seeing that happening with hybrid VRF. It's a really important product for our future um, and for the future market. So we'll continue to see developments that are, as I say, filling that gap, whether it be on the inside, on the outside, on the on the controls that link them together, on how it integrates with other systems. So so watch this space in that regard mark that sounds really really good um really exciting news but let's talk about the configuration and is there any difference jobin between hbc and vertical hbc when it comes to internal layouts so with regards to the operation it's pretty much similar you still have your two pipe from your main hbc to uh to the indoor unit that can provide simultaneous heating and cooling uh but the beauty is now uh when you have a 40 kilowatt outdoor unit and higher uh you had to use two main HPC boxes or horizontal HPC boxes, uh, which has two different water circuits and two different, uh, you had to commission it twice. Uh, But now uh, the vertical box, which houses the pump and plates, uh, pretty much uh, you only commission it once. It reduces the number of ancillaries and it's all uh, accessible from flow level. So uh, this time around you, you have the vertical box and Anytime you want to start expanding that system, you just keep adding 
sub HPC boxes, we have four pipe connections. So from from that box, you're just having four water pipes going to the sub HPC, and from the sub HPC, then again, it's uh, uh, two pipes to your indoor unit. Uh, so all the refrigerant component, the plates, the pumps, uh, the commissioning element, all of that is parked away in the cupboard uh, with your vertical box. So we're sort of designed in, in in a view of looking and understanding in the market and, and what was it that there were gaps with that current product offering? What were we coming up against where, you know what, the, 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 the consultants are finding it challenging to design this in. So a good application for the vertical HPC is around a, an, an office space where you want to use larger capacity systems to deliver that into that space. But you want very compact, um, very quiet units, whether that be the, the sub HPC or the indoor units within the space itself. So it overcomes a problem that perhaps designers were finding with the, with the current um, solution. One question that's often asked when specifying hybrid VRF is, are there any issues around installation? So obviously when we introduced it first, we aimed it to our core uh, DX contractors uh, who have been using our VRF system and who understands our VRF system. So now when we put the hydraulic image in it, there was a few things that we had to make sure that uh, 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 the installers understood this time you had to think about expansion vessels, isolation valves, AAVs, but we were able to build uh, sales tools and documents that was able to guide uh, our uh, installers in a way that it was simple to design and implement. Uh, so uh, we have a tool that can tell you how many expansion vessels or isolation valves you require in this layout of a hybrid, and then can you use that as how much it would cost, etc. Uh, we have sales to that could uh, calculate your expansion vessel size. Uh, at the start, yeah, there was there was this learning curve, and uh, now we're in a position where we have a complete uh, a guide called the HVRF Information Pack, which pretty much looks at uh, A to Z from what is hybrid, uh, how to install it, how to design it, and even how to commission it. So it is a go-to guide at the minute that. Um, you know, pretty much our uh, sales team and customers are using because it, it it answers most of the questions that we learned in the past uh, seven years. I yeah, say. and, J- and Jobin's been working really closely with with the installers, whether they were the kind of early adopters right right at the start when when I was back doing it, or when Jobin has kind of taken that on through the helm. And what a common bit of feedback that we find from any um, contractor that's installed it is, oh wow, that was easier than we thought. Mm. Actually, once I've done one, yeah, I'm going to do this again. Mm. Um, you know, there is a bit of nervousness about the new, um, the different, um, the change. And, um, you know, we, we're, I suppose, as, as, as an example of what Joven is saying there is, as a, as a manufacturer, we, we understand that. And what we're looking to do is to provide support at all levels to be able to, to help with that, whether that's the guidance, whether that's the, the sort of the assisted commissioning or service that we offer, um, whether it's the you know come and have a look at one in one of our training rooms and, and see and see the proof, whether it's the case studies that kind of back it up. So it's it's all of these things that we're trying to add comfort from a, a, a specification point of view and from an installation point of view. And also YouTube videos. Now there is plenty of YouTube videos. Yeah, you can see on, on YouTube now. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how to commission it, etc. So it's the amount of uh, support and documents uh, uh, that we provide for this product is, uh, has, has grown. Yes, I've seen several case studies out, guys. I yes, mean, yeah. yeah, after seven years, Mark, there is some very, very good case studies. And uh, as you explained, Jobin, there's a, a big uh, contractor workforce based out there now that actually can support. I think one, one thing I also wanted to add was right now, we, you know, 30% of our contractors have, you know, have played with hybrid VRF and we are now asking the next 70% also to come on board and sure. try it once, then you would start uh, you start to understand the benefits and also it will help you with the drivers that we have in the market right now. So Mark, we, we talked earlier and, and thank you for explaining why City Multi-Hybrid VRF was so popular in the hotel market when we first launched it. But the, the combination of the high levels of comfort control, uh, the ease of installation, this complete package solution. But, you know, what makes it uh, a fantastic solution also for other commercial applications? Yeah, so I suppose VRF or City Multi is, is providing comfort into a space. So it's, it's heating and cooling that space to make the occupants comfortable. Um, and the, like I mentioned earlier, 
the, the fact that it can do simultaneous heating and cooling with heat recovery, which is the majority of our market, and we explained the benefits of that. That's great in a hotel application, but you know what? Um, heat recovery VRF isn't just installed in hotels. It, it's installed in offices. It's installed in retail. It's installed in schools and commercial premises. Um, you can even get it in prisons now. Um, it, so is it, is, it, is it a generic phrase, occupied spaces, I suppose? Occupied spaces, yeah. Yeah, occupied spaces. And the design principles of, of hybrid VRF always are let's try and make it so that it can um, fit into the spaces that VRF fits into now. Um, and that's what we're striving to do with with adding solutions onto it or adapting the... And I suppose that the, the size limitations are, because it's got this sort of modularity, you can build up to the capacities that are required? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that as a, as a, a value in these types of systems, that modularity has, has many, many benefits. And we've seen that sort of replicate across different types of um, technology within the HVAC sector. So modular chillers now we see more of a growth on and the benefits that that brings in terms of changing the space around, being able to stage it from a retrofit and a refurbishment point of view, you can do bit by bit and minimise the sort of disruption. So that that modularity, whether that be on the inside, whether that be on the outside, whether that be on change of space, yeah, that, that, that's got a real value. And that, that value um, is the same across all sorts of different applications, whether it's a hotel, office, retail. So, Jeremy, it looks like hybrid VRF is you know, absolutely perfect for any occupied space. The limitations are endless. So you could go with uh, offices, uh, uh, car showrooms. So, yeah, it's wherever a VRF system was going, a hybrid VRF also has a space there because it pretty much has the same layout, has a, a VRF system. When thinking, as a consultant, thinking about designing um, their solution, um, the City Multi Hybrid Vero, I believe, has an adjustable noise level. Um, why is it needed and, and, and how does that actually work? So this is common across both VRF and HVRF because uh, we use the same uh, outdoor unit. Uh, but uh, the R32 uh, outdoor unit also has a functionality where you can change the noise level depending uh, uh, depending on specifications. So sometimes you might need to get some planning permission, and uh, when it gets to the uh, when uh, from the daytime where the noise starts to reduce, and when it comes to night, you don't want to hear your fan noise or the you know the uh, 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 so that's where you'll be able to adjust uh, as a as a dipster setting on the outdoor unit, which has got four levels, and you could. Uh, reduce the sound of your outdoor unit towards 40 dB. So uh, it's good for comfort element and it's also good for uh, passing planning permissions also. So, Mark, moving on. Um, City Multi Hybrid VRF, uh, as we've been focusing on uh, over the last few questions, um, it's a high efficiency system, as you explained. Um, but the phrase that you guys use, and I've heard it in, um, you say it, but also read about it, uh, is this phrase, high seasonal energy performance. And I'm sure our audience wants to know a little bit more about that. You know, does Mitsubishi Electric have any information on this? Where can we find out about it? How is it calculated? And, you know, can you just let's have a chat about it and explain it a bit more? Yeah, it's an, it's an important term. And it's, it's you know, actually, when I install this bit of kit, how is it going to operate in terms of its efficiency over its life? So not just one point in time. It's saying it's on a cold day, it's this efficient. On a hot day, it's this efficient. On this partial load, it's this efficient. So there's a methodology in place and and within a a guide that's been put together, we explain the details behind the methodology, um, what that means, how it's been derived from, and then how that equates through to the the sort of the the data in which we're able to provide uh, uh, the, the, the sort of specification audience which they can then put into their energy models for a building to see how that overall impacts the, the energy consumption of that building and ultimately the, the carbon that's produced. Um, and that's what, again, specifiers are, are looking to ensure that uh, the, the amount of carbon in that building doesn't go over a certain level. So they, they need that data and they need that seasonal data. And as I said, that, that's in the guide. That's on that same website that I mentioned earlier. So just to add on to that, so mention energy and carbon, which basically in turn means like you're also reducing your running cost. And uh, the guide itself has really competitive uh, season efficiencies for both VRF uh, and hybrid VRF. The aim is also to yeah, reduce, reduce the run, run cost of your estate and uh, that guide really helps. Um, what I'd like to do is um, have a look back at the original R32 VRF and dive deep into the features and benefits of that solution. Yeah, so again, it was back in 2018, we were the first ones to bring R32 uh, VRF in a hybrid format. 
And then in 2020, we were also the first ones to bring R3 to VRF. And uh, we have a capacity range from uh, 20 to 30 kilowatts, uh, both in the heat pump and heat recovery model. Uh, so uh, depending on uh, the application, uh, let's say if you've got an open plan space um, and you, you, you predominantly it's just going to be either in heating or in cooling, um, the R32 VRF heat pump solution is a better, is a good alternative uh, and much more cost effective rather than going with uh, uh, hybrid VRF. Um, and then you also got the heat recovery model, uh, which we can also give in a EN378 compliant um, option. Thanks very much. Uh, just before we wrap up, just can we just um, clarify uh, the city mulch range? Been around for some time, um, and 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 fantastic development that you guys have uh, undertaken and well done. Just want to confirm, or, or just if you could clarify, the number of indoor units um, are they the same for both VRF and hybrid VRF? Yeah. So. Uh, um, with uh, hybrid VRF and VRF, yes, we've stuck to that same principle. You could connect uh, up to 15 indoor units uh, to one outdoor unit. So that's still the same. Uh, in terms of indoor units, we have it ranging from ducted, slimline ducted, floor mounts, wall mounts. So you could find your wall mount in a you know, dentist uh, or a, a, you could find a slimline ducted in, in a hotel. Uh, so it's, uh, it, it's all developed for uh, different ranges of uh, applications. So uh, we have a mid-static uh, and high-static ducted unit that could go into a retail spaces or office. So uh, it's, a, it's, it's a wide range of uh, indoor units that you could uh, have with both VRF and HVRF. And a wide range of capacities as well. Yes, so yeah. on hybrid in particular, we can go down to one kilowatts mm -hmm. on, on one unit, which is it's quite a unique factor, especially when we're looking at budget hotel rooms that are quite small and highly insulated, all the way up to eight, 10, 12 kilowatts um, on, on these units as well. So, and then, and everything in between. So it's basically being able to provide that indoor unit that, that meets that space's requirements. Great. One final question for me, uh, going back to the retrofit um, uh, installation uh, on hybrid VRF. Um, I remember when Mark, when we first launched it, uh, we were talking about uh, the, the water pipes and you know, basically how would a contractor sort of take um, uh, to in installing the sort of water pipe solution um have, have you Jobin and mark have you, have you developed um that water side i think it was longer pipe runs smaller pipe sizes that was another element where vertical hpc comes in so again one of the feedback as you said was the pipe sizes are not as same are not as smaller as like you would have with your vrf uh, uh indoor unit pipes uh we looked into that and that's why we were able to redesign uh the pumps that we have on the vertical hpc they're quite big and because of that they're able to uh uh uh, uh, go against a certain head. So uh, uh, now you are able to get smaller pipe sizes with uh, the respective uh, indoor units that we have with hybrid VRF. So that that which in turn reduces your uh, uh, tray spaces and also the smaller the pipes, uh, you can get it in coils that you would get with your uh, you know barrier plastic pipes. So that that has been a um, that that has been uh, what we've been recommending for uh, hybrid VRF and. What we heard from installers is if you, the, the more smaller you could get the pipe, the, I could get it in coil, I could connect it from one end and then take it all the way to uh, all the way to the indoor unit and then you know, cut it off and then, then make that connection. So uh, the bigger the pipe gets, I will only get it in three meter straight lengths and that then has more connections to be done as I go towards the uh, uh towards the end of the uh, end of the line. Yeah, and on that sort of I suppose that as you say that where we started with the you know, we're dealing now with water, we're dealing with different types of pipe work. What we've very much done, spent a lot of time doing is, is working with contractors to understand what is it that, that they need to give them confidence? What sort of, you know, do we need to prescribe this? Do we need to suggest this in a specification? Um, do you want to understand if you need to treat that water? Um, and we've looked again at, at the many installations that we've done and, and sort of seen how installs have gone well. What What is it that people have had challenges with? And we've come up with, with lots of sets of, of guidance about, you know, if you go that far, you need this sort of um, pipe length. Um, you need to add these types of um, additions to the water. You need to use MLC pipe work because we are sure of the quality of that. We are sure that it's the simplest, quickest way to install it. Um, and it's readily available in the market and, and that's going to give us the best possible quality. So we're continually trying to work with that to, to give people more and more confidence about that bit that's maybe slightly different. Thank you again, guys, for your time. 
really useful answers to my questions. So just to put it in context for the listener, this podcast is part of the Consultant Focus campaign, which has proved a really successful source of information for consultants and specifiers. For further information on the City Multi Range or for any other inquiries, please visit us at les.mitsubishielectric.co.uk or you can also email us at livingenvironmentalsystems at meuk.mee.com. That's it for now. We really hope you enjoyed this podcast reviewing the City Multi Range and its many benefits. <laughs>